Good morning. I am Pastor Joel Buckland, and you are listening to Sunday Morning Worship at the First Church of New Knoxville. We are an independent, congregational church located in New Knoxville, Ohio. We recognize Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and He is the head of the church. You can find more information about us on our website, firstchurchnk.org. Good morning, and welcome to worship here at First Church of New Knoxville. Before we get started with our service today, we have a few announcements. First, this this service was pre-recorded and is being played for our radio audience. Today at First Church is the Sunday School program, which does not usually translate well to the radio. If you're interested in seeing all the songs and skits the Sunday School Department prepared for today, we will live stream that service on our Facebook page, and you're welcome to join us there. Also, you are invited to join us for our Christmas Eve services. December 24th falls on a Sunday this year, and so we will have our normal 9 a.m. worship service that morning and broadcast on the radio at 1015. We will also have a candlelight service at 7 p.m. that evening. You are invited to join us in worship as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, the offering today supports the Salvation Army of Lima. You are invited to give online at our church website, firstchurchnk.org. You can also give in person at the church office. Let's begin our service today with a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you this morning and thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. You certainly deserve all praise and honor and glory. We thank you that we have this radio ministry that we can continue to uh, to serve those on the, in the listening audience. And I do thank you for each and every one of them. And I pray that our service today would be honoring to you and encouraging and uplifting to them. We thank you for the opportunity to give back to you, Lord God. You are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and so we ask that you would bless the offering today to further the work of your kingdom in in this church and also through the work of the Salvation Army of Lima. We praise you and thank you that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. Help us to live that out today. We thank you for the Sunday school kids and all of the teachers and helpers that are making the Sunday school program possible this morning at First Church. We pray that the time uh, that those have, um, the time of, of the Sunday school program today in the sanctuary would just be a blessing to all those that are involved and may, may the, the songs and the skits be uplifting to everyone that is there. And so we also ask you now that you bless this time that we have to worship you together this morning. May our songs and scripture and prayers and teaching all work to glorify you and edify those who listen. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We gather around the Advent wreath today, knowing that we are not perfect, that we all make mistakes and do bad things. Only Jesus obeyed God fully. Jesus helps us to live as God wants us to live. Jesus gives us peace. Isaiah 11, 1 through 9. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. 
The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decision for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy. On all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is peace. For Christ is called the Prince of Peace. Christ's name is also Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus gives us peace. Colossians 1, 20-22 For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Eternal God, we thank you that through all the years you have given peace to your people. Help us have your peace in our lives. In in this Advent season, we pray that you will help us shine the light of your presence to those around us so that they may also live in peace. Amen. The first song we will sing today is Angels from the Realms of Glory. The song highlights the different groups present to witness the birth of Christ. The angels announcing the good news the shepherds watching over their flocks, and even the wise men who brought gifts from afar. The final verse brings in all the saints, including you and I, as we worship the Lord and patiently wait his return. So now, let us come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King.
Next, we will sing, O little town of Bethlehem. It is amazing to think that our Savior was born on a quiet, unassuming night. Kings are born in palaces, but Jesus, the King of all kings, was born in relative obscurity, in a stable because there was no room anywhere else. In the darkness, in the quiet, hope was born. Our Savior has arrived. The prophet Micah predicted this when he said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath, though you are small among the towns of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. Let us sing together, O little town of Bethlehem.
sing is not a traditional Advent or Christmas song. It is Heaven Came Down. This song does, however, get right to the heart of the Christmas message. At Christmas, we celebrate the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth in order to rescue us. We can experience the hope, peace, joy, and love of Christ when we put our trust in Him. He gives us new life. He makes us new. And He is the one who washes our sin away and turns our night into day. Let us sing, Heaven Came Down, together.
Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time, this time we've had to worship you and praise you for all you are and all that you've done for us. Father God, I pray that as we lift up our voices together, may you be honored and glorified in all that we do. We thank you, Lord God, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to to live for us, to die for us, and to live again, that we too may experience eternal life in him. Lord, that is the greatest gift. That is the message of Christmas, that you have come to be with us and to rescue us from our sin and to and to give us that opportunity to receive eternal life. I pray everyone that is listening to this service this morning would know that for themselves. May they experience the, the greatest gift of all, which is your son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that he has achieved through his death and his resurrection. Lord, may all who are who are even now hearing the sound of my voice, may they know that peace for themselves. Lord God, I also want to lift up uh, the concerns that we have before us today. Lord, uh, you know the burdens that we carry with us. You know the challenges that we face. And you are the one who will help us face them in your strength and in your provision. And so I pray for all those that are dealing with sickness. We pray that they would be healthy and well. We pray for those who are in need, Lord. May you provide for them. May you supply exactly what is needed. For those that are hurting, Lord, um, the holidays can be a difficult time for people who've lost loved ones recently, for people who are facing challenges that others don't know about. The holidays can bring up difficult memories and feelings. So we pray that you, Lord God, would be a source of comfort and strength and hope and peace for everyone who is struggling right now. Lord God, we also lift up leaders as your word calls us to do. And so we lift up our our government leaders to you now, and we think especially of our local communities and our counties. We thank you for those people that serve in those positions. We pray that you give them wisdom beyond their means and a hunger and thirst for your righteousness, that they would be satisfied. And we thank you, Lord, for this church and this place. And we thank you, Lord God, for the people you have raised up to serve here and to lead. And we we pray that your spirit would guide and direct each one of us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity we have today to hear from you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his birth that we celebrate at this time of year. I pray as we discuss this morning what it means for us to experience your peace. I pray that you would guide us, direct us, 
in our hearts, in our minds, and in our actions. May we be open to what you have to say to us today. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as I am recording this message this morning, I am standing uh, in the sanctuary on Friday, uh, and I am preaching to an empty room. And I can't help but remember three and a half years ago uh, when the COVID pandemic first began. And for a short period of time, we as we were unable to gather together as a church. And, and so uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, myself and a, and a small group of people would gather here in the sanctuary and we would do the church service. We began streaming the services on Facebook and, and continue to broadcast them on the radio. Uh, but I found myself preaching to a mostly empty room on those Sunday mornings. And it was a very kind of strange and surreal experience. And here I find myself doing it again for the message that we are putting on the radio this morning. As I think back to that time, it was a time of uh, chaos. It was a time of confusion. It was a time of upheaval and turmoil. It was a very strange and difficult time for all of us. I remember reading once about a study that came out in late 2020 or early 2021. I can't remember exactly the time frame, but it showed the, the changes in, in mental health and emotional well-being among people during the pandemic. And obviously, it was all self-reported, of course, but almost every demographic reported experienced a decline. Men and women, young and old, rich and poor, across racial and ethnic lines, everyone's mental health and emotional well-being suffered during the pandemic. All except one. People who regularly attended worship services did not experience that decline. In a time of upheaval and chaos, it was Christ and the ministry of his church that brought people peace. As we talk about peace, it's important to remember that peace is not the absence of conflict or hardship, although that is certainly a part of it. Now, I'm a parent, and I love my peace and quiet. What I mean by that is I want to be left alone and undisturbed sometimes by my kids. There was a Facebook video Ali showed me recently, and it was a mom who told her kids to come and get her in 10 minutes so they could deep clean the kitchen and the bathroom. That mom wanted to enjoy a long extended period of uninterrupted peace. She got to watch three episodes of her favorite TV show and even took a nap because her kids never came and got her. You see, we think of peace as the absence of conflict, but it is so much more than that. Peace is the presence and power of God in the midst of all circumstances, hardship, and conflict included. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It, it, it is a total well-being, security, and wholeness that's associated with God's presence among his people. According to this definition, peace is not the absence of something negative. It is the presence of something greater than our circumstances. It reminds me of Psalm 23, 4. Famous words, Describing the Good Shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the dark, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
See, David was able to write those words. He was able to experience peace in the middle of the deepest, darkest valley because of God's presence with him. He had no reason to fear evil because God was with him. That is peace. That is where our peace comes from. So today I want to talk to you about how you can experience that kind of peace in your own life, a peace that is not just the absence of conflict, but it is the very presence of God in your life. And there's three ways we can experience that peace for ourselves. We can experience peace with God through the sacrifice of His Son. We can experience the peace from God through the presence of His Spirit. And we can experience the peace of God in our relationship with the people of God. And so first we're going to talk about peace with God through the sacrifice of His Son. You see, that is why Christmas is so important. If you think about it, Christmas at Christmas we celebrate the very presence of God coming to dwell among His people. And He came to rescue us from our sin. See, that is ultimately why Christmas is so important. It's because Christmas leads to Easter. The manger leads to the cross and the empty tomb. Christmas is the start of the divine rescue mission that Jesus came uh, came to accomplish. Jesus is sent into the world to rescue his people from their sin. And he accomplishes this by taking our sin upon himself. Jesus defeats the power of sin. He defeats the enemy. He defeats even death itself when he is nailed to that cross. And three days later, he rises from the dead. Three days later, the empty tomb proves that he is victorious. That is the rescue mission that Jesus came to accomplish. And in doing that, it it is the greatest exchange that we can experience. I've been to some Christmas parties where we've done white elephant gift exchange. Do you know what I mean by this? White elephant gift exchange is you bring a random present. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes there's a theme to go along with it. Uh, Sometimes there's like a price range you're supposed to purchase it within. Uh, But one person will open up a gift at random. And then the next person can choose to either steal that gift or open one up, a new one up for themselves. And as people continue to open up presents, you start to see the... You get an eye for the ones that you want, right? You see one that somebody else has and you want to steal that and take it for yourself. You can't help but notice the, eventually you realize like there's a, there's a really good gift out there and you want that for yourself. When Jesus died on that cross, when he rose again from the grave, an exchange happened and it was greater than any gift you could ever receive at a white elephant gift or any gift you'd ever receive under your Christmas tree. See, the exchange that took place is when Jesus died on that cross, he took our punishment upon himself. And in return, we received his righteousness. That is the greatest gift exchange of all time. That is the greatest gift to be desired. During our Advent reading earlier in the service, you heard from Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, 19 through 22. I want to read those again for you now because this helps us to understand what we are talking about when we talk about the peace with God through the sacrifice of His Son. 
It says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of this evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, Colossians, this passage from Colossians recaps this divine rescue story for us. You see, in Christ, the fullness of God dwelled. In that child born in the manger, in that Man hung on the cross for our sins. The very fullness of God dwelled in him. He was fully God and fully man. God's presence among his people. And through Christ, because he was fully God, because he was fully man, he was able to reconcile all things to himself through his blood shed on the cross. You see, reconciliation is where peace is found. Reconciliation means restored relationship with God and and also, as a consequence, restored relationship with others. And we'll get to that here before the end of our sermon today. But that is where peace is found, is in reconciliation and restored relationship with God. And then Paul in Colossians says that, that we are now holy in His sight. In Christ, we have been made holy. And when, when, when God looks at you, great exchange, right? When the Father looks at you, He no longer sees your sin. He no longer sees your mistakes. He no longer sees your shortcomings. Because you have been united with Christ in His death and in His resurrection, when God the Father looks at you, He sees the perfect obedience of His Son, Jesus Christ, applied to your life. You are now holy in His sight. We experience peace with God because we no longer need to fear sin and its punishment. It's been forgiven. You have been forgiven. Peace is knowing the Lord and growing in your relationship with Him. So we can experience peace with God through the sacrifice of His Son. Second, we can experience peace from God through the presence of His Spirit. Now once you've been made right with God, once you have that peace with God, you can then experience His peace as you live in this world. See, the birth of Jesus is important because God sent His Son into His creation. He becomes a human being and and as, as Isaiah prophesied and as, as Matthew in his gospel points out, Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is our God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Jesus is God in the flesh. We no longer need, no one, no, people in Jesus' day and before, right, they would, if they wanted to meet with God, they would go to the temple. That's where the sacrifices were made. That's where worship took place. But because Jesus is God in the flesh, people no longer needed to go to the temple to meet with God. He walked among them. He taught them. He he ate meals with them. They could know God in a real 
and personal way. Jesus even tells his disciples in John 14 that if you've seen me, if Jesus speaking, if you've seen Jesus, then you've seen the Father. And then right before his death, he tells them that he's going to leave. But it'll be better for the disciples if Jesus goes. Now you may be thinking, all right, this is God in the flesh, right? He is walking with his people. He is sharing meals with his people. They could, he's laying hands on his people and praying for them. How, how could something be better than that? What could possibly be better than God in the flesh with us? Jesus says it's going to be better because he is going to send his spirit, his Holy Spirit to be with them and to be with us as born again believers. You see, this is the advantage because Jesus in his earthly ministry was limited to one location. He could only interact with so many people. The crowds would follow him everywhere and people would have a difficult time getting to him because they couldn't make their way through the crowd. You remember the story of, of these friends who, who had a, their, their, their friend was paralyzed. And so they, they knew that Jesus could heal him, but they, so they put him on a mat and they carried him to where Jesus was. But the crowd was so big. The crowd was gathered around Jesus and they couldn't physically get to him. So they had to climb up on the roof. They dug a hole through the roof and lowered their friend to Jesus. Otherwise, they would not have been able to get to him. But Jesus says it's going to be better when I go because I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. See, there's an advantage here because Jesus was limited to one location. He could only interact with so many people. The crowds would follow him everywhere and people had a difficult time getting to him. But through his Holy Spirit, Jesus is now present with all of his people all of the time. He's no longer limited to a single location. Believers in New Knoxville have the same access to God through his Holy Spirit as believers in China or Iran. God is just as present in this sanctuary that I'm standing in right now on Friday morning as he is wherever you are listening to this message. And through his Holy Spirit, God is equally present with all believers at all times. That is as close as you can get. So how does this lead lead to peace? How does God's presence through his Holy Spirit lead to us experiencing peace in this world? Well, it's because God promises to be with us at all times. He promises to never leave nor forsake His people and He fulfills that promise through His Holy Spirit. Remember, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of God in all circumstances. When you feel alone and isolated, God is there. When you feel, when you are struggling through a difficult season of life, God is there. When you look at the state of this world and are filled with fear and doubt and confusion about what is happening, God is with you. 
See, the promise is that no matter what you face, God is with you. And that brings us to 1 John 4, 4, which I read for us at the start of the sermon. Just one simple verse. This is the Apostle John later in his life. He says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, if you just dwell on that for a moment, you'll see just how powerful of a statement that is. That the one who dwells in every believer, right, that's the Holy Spirit. The one who, who is in the world is the, the enemy. And the enemy is powerless compared to the Holy Spirit. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So that means that you have nothing to fear. That means that when, when you face trials and difficulties of all sorts, you know that, that God is with you and He will not abandon you and He will provide what you need to get through it. We all know that this world can be overwhelming at times. We look around, we turn on the news, we see what's happening in Ukraine and Israel and we, it, it seems like evil is winning. We see bad things happen to good people and we see bad people succeed and we wonder what is going on? But passages like 1 John 4.4 4 and many others teach us that God is greater than the evil we see in this world. In the end, the goodness and faithfulness of God will win out. Jesus tells His disciples in John 16.33, He says, I've told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's John 16, 33. Peace in the world, then, is not experienced in the absence of conflict or hardship. It's simply not a reality. Everyone will experience suffering. That's what Jesus promised, right? Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. Right? We like to think that that if we just put our faith in Christ, if we just follow Him and we're obedient, then, then God's going to remove the hardship from our lives. We try to convince ourselves that if we just put our trust in God, then nothing bad is ever going to happen to us again. But we all know that that is not true. That is not reality. That is not the lived experience in a sinful and broken world. And Jesus is as clear as He can get here. In this world, you will have trouble. Faith in God does not make you immune to hardship. It does not make you immune to suffering. But what faith in God does provide is peace and hope and even joy in the midst of that suffering. That's why Jesus tells them, Take heart. He says, I, well, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. There's that word again. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
peace in the world then is not experienced in the absence of conflict or hardship. That's simply not possible. Peace comes to the confident hope of God's promise to overcome the world. Peace comes through the presence of His Holy Spirit. He will provide the strength we need to endure in the present and will preserve us to the end. So we can experience peace with God through the sacrifice of His Son. We can experience the peace from God through the presence of His Holy Spirit. And finally, we can experience the peace of God with the people of God and others. So as we experience reconciliation with God and experience His peace, that then overflows in our lives and we can then experience that peace of God in whatever circumstances we find. But And then as we experience that peace, we then see that peace then working itself out into our other relationships in this world with other believers, with our family, with, with our neighbors. If God gives all believers His Holy Spirit, then that is the common denominator that overcomes all other differences. We all know there's a lot of division and disunity in this world. Even within the church, even among brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not always going to agree on everything. We're not always going to see things eye to eye but we can still experience peace because our differences can be overcome by Christ. You see, the one thing we have in common as believers, faith in Christ and the the presence of His Holy Spirit in our lives, that one thing is greater than any differences we we may experience, any disagreements we may have with one another. That peace excuse me, the presence of Christ in our lives helps us to experience that peace with other people as well. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about, he first talks about the reconciliation, the the, the salvation we have in Christ. And in verses 1 through 10, he talks about how, how we are, we are made alive in Christ. We are made right with God. By His grace and mercy. And then in verse 11, he then picks up on how this peace with God, this this salvation from God, impacts our relationship with other people. I want to read chapter 2, verses 11 and following. He says, Therefore remember that formerly you are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. See these themes coming up over and over again in this passage, this idea of peace, that, that when we experience peace with God, it also means that we experience peace with other believers. Jesus died to make us one people. He is our peace. And he is the unifying factor between all believers. So let's talk briefly about how we can live at peace with other people. First, we need to try to see people as Christ sees them. That these are people made in his image, people that he died to save and redeem. And so we can experience peace when we begin to see people in that light. Every person you'll ever meet is either a brother or sister in Christ already, or they're a lost sheep that God longs to bring home. Learn to see people as Christ sees them. Second, you need to learn to love your enemies and pray for them. Not everybody is going to be your best friend. right? We all know that. We all have people that we don't get along with very well. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's neighbors. Maybe it's coworkers. But Jesus calls us to love and pray for even our enemies. And that's a radical idea in our world today. My mom's side of the family is uh, is Irish, and and we've in the past looked up like Irish prayers and blessings. And there's one that always uh, always stuck out to me. It says, "May those who love us love us, and those who don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if He can't turn their hearts, may He turn their ankles so that we can see them coming by their limping." Now that prayer might not be you know the the best prayer to pray for your enemies, right? But, but we should be praying for them and, and praying for their hearts to change. And, but also be praying that God would change our hearts towards them. Right? That's what's missing from that Irish blessing. Is that God would help us to love our enemies and pray for them well. That our hearts may be turned towards them too. And so we learn to pray. We must teach ourselves to pray for our enemies' well-being. Pray that they experience the peace of God for themselves. And lastly, do not weary in doing good. Is inevitably going to be slow. We may not always see the best in others. But the encouragement that Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 6 is to not weary in doing good, but to not give up, to keep on doing what is right, even when it's hard. That is how you learn to live at peace with others, by, by choosing to do the right thing, by choosing to do good, even when you don't see the immediate results in front of you. In Philippians 4-7, Paul prays 
for the peace of God. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He, he had just encouraged them to, to pray in all circumstances, giving thanks to Christ Jesus. And then he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God is, is a difficult thing to understand, especially from the world's perspective, isn't it? We talked about peace with God through the Son. We talked about peace from God through the presence of His Spirit. We talked about the peace of God we can experience in our relationship with others. And when you experience that kind of peace, it's difficult to explain. The world cannot understand how a person in the midst of of all circumstances, including suffering and conflict, can find peace. Because peace is often understood as the absence of conflict. But as we talked about it here today, we can experience God's peace in all circumstances because of what he's done for us. And the world will never understand that or experience that peace until they turn to God for themselves. It's a peace that does transcend all understanding. But it is a real and steadfast peace that will sustain you in all seasons of life. And it is a peace that is a foretaste. It's a, it's a glimpse of the peace and the joy and the love that we will experience in the kingdom of God for all eternity. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the peace that you give us. I thank you that in Christ you have made peace with us by, by removing our sins and forgiving us and purifying us from all unrighteousness. I thank you that in and through the presence of your Holy Spirit, we can experience your peace in this world, no matter what we face. And I thank you that we can experience your peace in our relationship with other people, that you help us to overcome our differences, and that you call us to live at peace even when it is hard. Help us to do that. Give us your grace today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The last song we will sing together this morning is It Is Well With My Soul. When I think of the peace of God, this is the song that comes to mind. Peace, as you recall, is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence and power of God in the midst of all circumstances. The author of this hymn suffered great personal loss, yet he experienced peace like a river. He knew that no matter what he faced, God had taught him to say, it is well with my soul. May you experience that kind of peace today. Let us sing, it is well with my soul.
Thank you for listening to our service this morning and worshiping with us at the First Church of New Knoxville. Once again, this is a pre-recorded service created especially for our radio listeners this morning. At church, our Sunday School Christmas program is taking place. If you'd like to watch that, you can find a live stream on our Facebook page. You can listen to this service again or listen to other previously recorded services through our Sermon.net account. You can find a link through our webpage, firstchurchnk.org. You're also invited to our Christmas Eve services at First Church. Christmas Eve is a Sunday this year, and so our normal 9 a.m. service will take place with the radio broadcast at 10.15. We will also have our candlelight Christmas Eve service at 7 p.m. You are welcome to join us for any and all of those services. We're so glad you joined us this morning. This is Pastor Joel Bucklin of the First Church of New Knoxville. I pray that the Lord spoke to you through our time of worship this morning. 
We want you to know that God loves you and that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for your sins. John 3.16 is one of the most quoted Bible verses, and for good reason. It captures the heart of the gospel so well. John 3.16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You can receive forgiveness and eternal life today by trusting in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. If you'd like to talk with someone about that decision, you can contact us on Facebook or through our website, firstchurchnk.org. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning.